tough figuring out how to fundamentally rethink and reform the U.S. healthcare system. Sometimes the solutions that get the most attention or traction seem quite limited. And as we witnessed with the recent debate and then passage of the health insurance reform bill, polarization sometimes overwhelms our sense of what's possible. But quietly and perhaps deliberately so, there's an intriguing new movement taking shape in the United States. The goals are to find better ways to deliver health care, to help people improve and maintain their health, and to do all this for a lot less money than we're spending now. Some of the noticeable features of this movement, all kinds of stakeholders are at the table. The focus is local or regional in nature, starting often with what's familiar, and there's a willingness to think seriously about shared sacrifices in the interest of building more sustainable models. Does that sound too dreamy? Hopefully we're about to prove you wrong. Welcome to WIHI, a free audio discussion with EDGE, as in Cutting Edge, from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I'm Madge Kaplan, the host and producer, and also IHI's Director of Communications. I'm surrounded by an amazing brain trust today on the redesign of healthcare, thinking very regionally. And just a reminder, there's also more information about each of the people with me today on the WIHI web pages. On the phone, we've got Tom Nolan. He's a statistician and member of Associates in Process Improvement, and he's an IHI senior fellow. So welcome to you, Tom. Uh, we've also got John Hogan is with us, and we're getting a little bit of static interference. We'll see if we can't uh, get rid of that. Nice uh, photo of John Hogan there. He is the president and CEO of Capital Health Plan in Tallahassee, Florida. Welcome, John. Laura Landy is here with us as well. She's the president and CEO of the Fannie E. Ripple Foundation. Welcome, Laura Landy. And in the studio with me, Carol Beasley. She's IHI's Director of Strategic Projects. Welcome, Carol. And we're thrilled to welcome also Don Berwick. You may know him as IHI's president and CEO. He's been a tad busy of late, but he's done a lot of thinking about regional health care improvement, so he rounds out our terrific group. Welcome, everyone. And if we do, if you do hear any kind of static, we'll kind of keep working on uh, correcting any of those problems. We've got about 540 of you uh, getting on board uh, the good ship WIHI today. Welcome, all of you. Um, find to join at any time, and uh, hopefully you can uh, just catch up. And uh, if you do have any technical problems, just uh, shoot uh, a, a chat to uh, Jesse McCall. All right, we're going to get underway. So, Don, I'm going to start with you, Don Berwick. I would love to start with Don because uh, he is so good at uh, giving this broader context and setting the scene. So, Don, I want to understand this big sweep. How is it that we're starting to take seriously the need for regional or local models to redesign healthcare? I've been thinking about how did we get here and wondering why we haven't maybe been thinking this way all along. Could we have been? Thanks, Ash. a great question. Let me first thank uh, Tom and John and Laura and Carol for being here. It's going to be really interesting to hear this, this conversation from these four real experts. Um, we have to actually reach back quite a way to understand how we got here. Uh, I'll start with the founding of IHI, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, back in 1991. Uh, the colleagues that started the organization were sure, as many were around the world, that you could improve almost anything, almost any product or service or system, including healthcare, and that the keys were to think in systems terms. Uh, improvement is a systems idea. You change the way you do things in order to get better results. Um, the other core idea behind modern improvement is to meet need, that the, you aim an organization at a social need or a customer need. If you combine accurate understanding of need with proper uh, systems thinking, you can get to results you otherwise couldn't think of getting to. That's how most products and services get better even today. What we in IHI have been trying to do for our two decades is to apply that science of, of, of uh, redesign to important social needs in healthcare. For the first maybe 15 years of that journey, our focus was on the way healthcare entities operate, the way a sick person gets the care they need and want. This was given tremendous acceleration by the Institute of Medicine in, in 1999, 2000, 2001, with Two Errors Human and Crossing the Quality Chasm. And one of the things that IOM did, it, it actually named the social need 
said healthcare could be better, much better, and the dimensions were safety, effectiveness, patient-centeredness, timeliness, efficiency, and equity. In some sense, those aims were focused still on the individual patient in the individual circumstance, in the bed, in the office, in pain, right. needing help. Uh, the the um, agenda was to improve their care, and the results have been stunning. We, we've learned over the years, not just IHI, but many colleagues, to eliminate forms of injury that we thought were inevitable, to provide levels of reliability we didn't think were possible, to change the emotional experience of patients in care, to really make the care of sick people much, much better. That social need remains. It's extremely important. It's our history. It's our legacy. Never can give up on that. But meanwhile, there's been an evolution of social need at a different level, which has to do with what I might call total system performance, healthcare as a complete social, almost geopolitical enterprise, uh, health, the, the, the health and healthcare giving resources that keep us alive and well as long as we possibly can be at a high level of function. Clearly, to accomplish that, you need to do the first thing, too. You have to make the experience of care better. But we actually needed a broader way to think about that, and Tom Nolan and John Whittington and Carol Beasley and others of our colleagues over a number of years in IHI have given form to this second, maybe larger social agenda of the health and healthcare we need. We call it triple aim now in IHI speak. The triple aim refers to better experience of care, everything we just talked about, safe, effective, patient-centered, timely, efficient, equitable care, the care contemplated in crossing the quality chasm. But it adds in two other big aims. Better health. Why do we need the care? Why do we have a heart attack? Why do we break our arm? Why, do we, why are we depressed? Why, why do we have cancer? Those causes don't lie in the healthcare system. They lie outside the healthcare system largely. Healthcare is estimated to have only about 10% of leverage on the improvement of health. The rest of that lies in things that create the need for care. And that means an agenda working on the health of the population substance abuse, environmental hazards, uh, violence in society, uh, a long list of things we now know lead to the need for care and which we can avoid disease. The third most topical right now is how much society is spending to get that done, which we have reflected in triple A per capita cost of care. Why is that important? Well, because there are many calls on social resources, private and public resources. They can be devoted to many things. Healthcare is only one of those things. There's education and infrastructure and the arts and and anything else we want to do with our resources. And now at 17% of the GDP in the United States, the question is, is there a need to begin to figure out how to do even better, never harming an individual, never harming a patient, but to, to not accede to this very rapid growth in cost? Is there a way to keep per capita cost growth under control or even maybe reduce per capita cost? The pursuit of the triple aim is that other agenda. What's the system that's relevant to that? The system that's relevant to proper care of a heart attack is largely a hospital. When you set your broken arm, the system is the orthopedic structure. When you want to treat the triple aim, that's not enough. You need a larger system, and the system now that's grabbing our attention is the community, the region, something larger than an entity. And so triple aim brings us into thinking about regions. By nature, it seems uh, it's we're, we're sort of breaking some new ground here, although it does seem some of this work kind of circles back to a lot of work in the public health community, other movements that have been trying to, you know, raise awareness about, you know, general conditions in people's lives. Um, but unlike having those IOM reports now, there's a lot of making this up right now. How difficult is that? We, you're absolutely right. We, we aren't inventing this from whole cloth. There are legacy efforts in the public health community, in in in, uh, in many parts of society that care about health and improving health. And it's about, I see it as a linkage issue, bringing people together who do care about that. It does, it will mean forging new kinds of platforms at the community level. Who runs health care for a town or a city or a region? The answer is no one really does. Can we create a platform for shared action that is capable of achieving the triple aim. That's the question that IHI has been now grappling with for a couple of years in the company of the Brookings Institution and Mark McClellan with his help, the Dartmouth Group with, uh, led by Elliot Fisher, uh, the Harvard School of Public Health and the Brigham Hospital with Atul Gawande, with uh, Laura Landy and her wonderful colleagues in the Ripple Foundation and their terrific Rethink Health project, our own triple aim work, and now with tremendous support from the uh, the Pete Peterson Foundation. There's a lot of people coming together now to to, to, to 
to link our efforts in a, in a new way. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you were just listening to Don Berwick. I'm Madge Kaplan, and we're discussing how to achieve high-quality, lower-cost health care, thinking about it somewhat regionally in the United States. Uh, Tom Nolan, you're on the phone. Thanks for your patience. You and Don are often a tag team, uh, so I'm going to be confident that you have some idea about where to jump in. But one of the things I'd love you to address is why is it so important or what do we get out of uh, looking perhaps more locally or regionally right now? How does that help this situation? Okay. Well, when we think about uh, uh, reform of our health care system and listen to some of the debate that's gone over the last year or so, there's a, somewhat of a dichotomy of, of well, Either we need more money or we can do less. And it's, are we going to get more money or are we going to do less? And there's this uh, tension there. But there is a third option for all of us, many of you on the phone, who are concerned with system improvement. There's a, there's a third option, and that is to change the system, redesign the system to accomplish a triple aim. Now, once we uh, say, well, we, we want to pursue that option, then we begin asking, well, what system are we talking about, uh, and who's funding that system? So we've thought quite a bit about that, and where we are now is to say a starting point could be a hospital referral region. Now, those of you familiar with the Dartmouth Atlas know that through their research, they've actually defined 306 HRRs, hospital referral regions, which essentially define markets in uh, healthcare markets in a community. Patients mostly flow within those boundaries. So that's a, it's a nice starting point. However, th those that HRR need to be rethought at the local level because it may cross state boundaries or it may cross some, cross some county boundaries. So the HRR coupled with some political boundaries and uh, uh, perhaps some other local considerations is a starting point for a region. Now, why do we think the region so important place to start? Well, first of all, the most of the components of the healthcare system are resident in a region. I live in Silver Spring, Maryland, in Montgomery County, uh, and most of the healthcare that I and my family receive would be from uh, providers, healthcare providers in the Tacoma Park Hospital Referral Region. So the customers are here, the components are here. Also, improvement. Is, is system improvement certainly is based on context and knowledge of the local context obviously is, is a local phenomenon that's needed. Uh, and also, as Don mentioned, we'll need some connections, public health, health care, social service agencies, government, and that social capital resides in a local setting. There, in many cases, have been collaborations. So. That's, that's why we think starting at a local level is a much more fruitful place than even perhaps at a state level and, and at a national level. It doesn't mean states and, uh, and the federal uh, government can't help, but the, the real design effort is in a local area, we think. Tom, given uh, the way the healthcare system is often sort of divided up and chunked out, whether we're talking about payers or providers, uh, and others in the nursing home sector and whatever. Do you think thus far, as you've now been doing this work, both helping to conceptualize and, and talking with people, that it's, it's a big leap for folks to start sort of looking outside their walls and sort of having start to have an identity as an actual community or as an HRR, hospital referral region? Well, it, it varies quite a bit, and I, I think Carol and, and Laura will talk more about some of the regions that we've been bringing together, and some of them have a very strong identity and have worked together for years. Rochester, New York comes to mind. Um, John will talk about the efforts in, in Tallahassee. Uh, for others, it's, it's quite a leap, and so uh, looking for ways to connect outside the walls is an important starting point, too. Two areas that have proved fruitful in the triple aim uh, is uh, readmissions to the hospital because that forces those of you in the hospital to look outside. You're not going to prevent readmissions by only working in the hospital, so it begins to forge some connections and build some trust and social capital, as we call it. Um, the other is to work on a local health care issue. In Cincinnati, 
they're working on uh, infant mortality and connecting the city government, the county government, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, local uh, primary, uh, local pediatricians. Uh, also, some some places have obesity work going on. So those are some starting points that get people out of help people get outside their walls, but doesn't have them be so overwhelmed by the triple aim in, in their entire region. Okay, thanks uh, so much, uh, Tom Nolan. I'm going to turn next to Carol Beasley, who's here in the studio. Uh, Carol, for years, has been working on this triple aim initiative, which now involves some 70 organizations, not only in the United States, some of them including whole states uh, like Vermont. And so we've been getting our feet wet about what it means to work on all those three components of experience of care, uh, per capita cost, and population health. Now we've sort of, we we sort of jumped it up a bit, and we we had these two meetings in July of 2009 and then just a week ago in Washington, D.C., and we've been bringing these communities together to sort of uh, putting them all at a round table and saying, you know, you all have some very interesting opportunities. I I wanted to ask Carol if she could sort of explain the purpose of of bringing those people together and uh, kind of what you you see as uh, coming out of that. Sure. Well, um, thank you. Thanks, Madge. And maybe I'll start with the event that um, kicked us off last summer, which was in part, I think, a response to some of the work we've been talking about and then perhaps catalyzed by the very widely um, appreciated article by Atul Gawande on the cost conundrum, where suddenly the awareness that there were, were some pretty big differences in overall cost and patterns of care from one region to another. And we started to speculate a little bit about that um, with the group of partners that we dis- that we described before, I started to just brainstorm. You know, what would it be like if we could bring together some of the good regions into a room and find out? You know, how do, how do they do that? How do they do what they do in order to have, uh, in general, lower per capita cost? At least at that time, we were looking at Medicare, and that was the way we were screening sites, um, as well as uh, really apparently good quality based on what we could determine from public sources. Um, we did that. We convened 10 sites last uh, last summer and had some very interesting reflections on what um, might lead to the better results that we were seeing. You'll recall that it was during a time when the healthcare reform debate was in full swing and there was a fair bit of um, incivility from uh, from both ends of the spectrum about, you know, who was who was in favor of what or who was trying to propose what things that, you know, might be disagreeable. And I think what was interesting, so so interesting and so exciting to us was how constructive this conversation was, um, that people were very, very engaged in reflecting on, you know, is it something in our culture? Is it something in the regulatory regimens that we have? Is there something in the competitive dynamics? You know, is, com- is competition hel- helping us in some way? Is is relatively lesser comp- competitive pressures maybe an advantage for us? So it was, a, it was more of a reflecting backwards on how did we think we got to this stage of being generally better performers than the country as a whole, and also extending some sense of hopefulness that uh, some of these lessons might be learned and applied in regions that had not um, had not achieved those sorts of results as yet. Um, as we've continued, the uh, the meeting that we had last week took it to the next step. So in in a couple of respects. Um, one, in one respect, we pulled in data from more sources. So we had Medicare data based on the Dartmouth Atlas information. We also had the great um, benefit of being able to include for the first time, for, our, for us anyway, a substantial amount of commercial data and understand a little bit better what the cost profiles looked like in more than one segment um, of the population. Um, and we were also able to pull in some information with great help from the folks at University of Wisconsin, from the county health rankings, and some information that really dealt with the question of health and some additional information on quality of care. So we got a little bit more, um, a somewhat richer portrait of each of these regions um, encompassing all three of the triple aims. And then we we were also looking um, as kind of our, our fourth criterion for coming to the table was we were seeking evidence of intentionality because the question was we were left with the question after July um, to what extent are the changes that we're seeing being done because of a positive intention to make those changes? And what could we learn if we really sought 
regions that seem to be doing things on purpose, seem to be bringing a wider spectrum of partners to the table. So we're engaging with businesses. We're engaging with um, elected officials. We're engaging with school systems and engaging with you know uh, social services agencies and a whole broad spectrum that really touches upon not just the medical dimension of health, but all of the determinants of health from within a community. So that's kind of where we that's where we started, and we brought together 13 sites uh, last week. I think for a very very stimulating and in many ways kind of challenging conversation about where do we go, what can we do intentionally to advance um, the agenda on all three dimensions. All right, thanks so much. That's Carol Beasley, and again it's WIHI. I'm Madge Kaplan, your host, and we're talking about regional health care improvement, and we have questions as well as beginning to uh, sort of identify ourselves here and looking for answers. And uh, John Hogan is also on the line, and John uh, was in Washington last week at the gathering, uh, part of the group uh, from Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, I guess, uh, John Hogan, first of all, welcome to WIHI. And uh, I'm curious how you would answer Carol's question about uh, whether you, you and your colleagues in Tallahassee are involved in some uh, intentional uh, effort here, or are you just sort of discovering that some of the things that you're trying to do are all starting to come together? Well, uh, thank you, Madge. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to join you today. I, you know, I think. Uh, hey, John, could we get you to pick up the headset? I think. So let me see if I can. I, I don't have a headset. If you don't have a headset, don't worry. Just come a little closer then to the speakerphone. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure to hear you. Thank you. Yeah, the group that was in Great. Washington from Tallahassee, I think, uh, certainly does have intentionality uh, uh, connected with it. We we very much support and are trying to think through ways to. Uh, get outside our individual institutional focuses uh, and and affect uh, AAA performance for the community as a whole. Uh, and I think particularly when we look within, uh, when I look at Capital Health Plan, we represent about 30% of the population of the Tallahassee area. Uh, we have lots of good results and good metrics that we're pleased uh, but not satisfied with, including uh, metrics surrounding affordability, which is uh, critically important going forward. Um, but when we when we look in the future, what we're really trying to do is leverage uh, the experience that we've had and the opportunities that we've had to benchmark uh, and challenge ourselves to try to get better for our membership and see if through the relationships that we've developed, uh, both with uh, Tallahassee Memorial, which is a major hospital in the area, uh, as well as with the Florida State University College of Medicine, which has a community training model in, uh, uh, that is around the state, throughout the state of Florida in five different locations, but they have a significant presence with the medical community in Tallahassee. Uh, and we think that creates a rich resource base to try to expand our individual efforts to more of a community-wide effort uh, to improve uh, performance across uh, patient experience, population health, and affordability trend. And, uh, I think we're definitely engaged. It was very worthwhile to see some of the efforts underway uh, in other communities that uh, hopefully we can all learn from. Do you have some very specific aims, uh, very particular or and or particular things that you're working on? How, how would you sort of describe sort of the shared goals? Yeah, at this point, I mean, as far as the affordability piece is concerned, which I think is the, the absolutely critical one that is... Uh, the most difficult to bend the cost curve and so important, particularly in this economy. Uh, we're committed to uh, trying to reach uh, an aggregate uh, cost trend goal uh, in the triple aim range of, uh, you know, 2 to 4%. Um, and even that is high in an economy that uh, is struggling and not growing currently. Uh, that would be an improvement over what uh, trends have been, our medical trends, uh, for the last six years uh, have been in, in single-digit range, but they haven't gotten down to the levels we're trying to reach uh, going forward as a health plan. Um, I think another uh, key goal that, we're, that we want to work on is it's difficult sometimes at the local and regional level uh, to get uh, really timely data on population-wide health metrics. The information that's recently come out of Wisconsin, I think, is going to be very helpful in that regard. Uh, and that's an area that I think we have some robust potential for community-wide goal setting going forward. Um, the patient experience and care uh, pieces, we focused a lot and have the benefit as a local health plan of a very robust uh, and, and long-standing database, including the HEDIS and, and K 
CAPS information uh, that uh, health plans are very familiar with uh, that enables us to, to try to benchmark and improve both uh, what happens in the patient care process, outcomes, and uh, equally importantly, uh, patient and member satisfaction with that. So we've got this base of experience. It certainly doesn't reflect the entire community, uh, but it represents a significant uh, the slice of that community, and I think combined with the intentionality to try to work together and, and, and over time bring in additional uh, participants who, uh, who share uh, that community aim, we're quite optimistic that we can uh, really achieve some significant outcomes in the Tallahassee region. Just one uh, final question before I turn to Laura Landy. Uh, are you unique as a health plan involved in these uh, activities? I think Carol has uh, mentioned, you know, even as a convener, uh, sort of playing that role. Uh, do you see yourselves kind of uh, spearhead, you know, sort of pioneering a new a new role for health plans in this work? Well, I, don't, I think there are uh, other health plans that are doing this. Uh, we've had the privilege of being uh, affiliated with the Alliance of Community Health Plans nationally, which really represents the major uh, delivery system-oriented health plans in the United States, and a number of them uh, are doing triple-aim work and attempting to be uh, uh, the integrators, if you will, the, the change agents that help uh, um, pursue triple-aim outcomes in their communities. I have to say, I think it's a tremendous advantage that obviously not all communities uh, have access to, to have a local health plan uh, to participate uh, as a willing partner in this process because uh, very often so much of health care is delivered uh, in the local community, but it's paid for uh, very often outside the community through a national or a regional insurance carrier or the government. And when you've got a local health plan, that views itself as a delivery system health plan that is trying to improve uh, the value of health care in the community and has the responsibility of living within uh, uh, constrained financial resources and budgets uh, that, are, that are certainly enough to try to deliver high-quality health care but require a focus and an attention on ways that you can maximize the value of that financial resource. I think you've got a tremendous advantage, and it's also a tremendous advantage for our staff at this health plan to be in the community. They live in the community. They regularly interact with people who are our members, uh, and so they're very familiar and get very quick feedback, uh, both as to things that go well and as to opportunities for improvement. Okay. Thank you very much, John Hogan. All right, Laura Landy, you're on the phone from the Ripple Foundation. Uh, is is this uh, is this are these the kinds of change agents, uh, Ripple, uh, and as part of your efforts, you're trying to uh, sort of help enable. And uh, what else do you think uh, is needed here? And welcome to WIHI. Thank you, Madge. Um, I really appreciate being on. Um, yeah, let, let me just give just a, a second about Ripple and then um, share some of what certainly we've observed in the conference and what's happened over the last year, and I think some of where the trends are going, because things have changed enormously, as we all know, in the last year, and it's been a challenging year, but I think there have been really uh, huge gains and huge opportunities and, and new shifts that have come out of it. Um, the Ripple Foundation, which has been around around 57 years, um, has a, a mission of seeding innovation and really trying to bring new thinking to help and help care, and this goes back to 1965, when Medicare was passed, and our first president, um, who was the nephew of, of Julius Ripple, uh, looked around and said, we're creating an unsustainable health system, and started to talk at that point about how we need to look at redesigning the system, how we need to figure out how to keep people healthy, how we need to um, figure out how to contain costs, and really um, set a very early model of the triple aim in place, and it's just been a thrill for us to work with IHI and and with um, several other amazing partners over the last couple of years to try to really craft some of that in the, the current environment. Um, so this is, this is just a, a really wonderful engagement, certainly for us. I, I, and I think, you know, going to what the impact of reform has been, I think as, as people dig into the 6,000 pages of the legislation there, um, that there's much more in there to help communities, to help regions, to promote health, to promote good care, um, then it's certainly reported in the headlines of the newspapers. And, and there are opportunities for funding, there are challenges, there are pilot projects. And I think this has been um, 
a really great stimulus to bringing, creating opportunities for communities to come together. And it's particularly had an impact from what we're seeing on the healthcare systems themselves, the payers, the providers, the hospitals, um, because there are there are clear opportunities, but it's also engaged everyone in a different conversation. I think we're taking these issues more seriously than we have in the past. I think people are willing to experiment. There's much more support for experimentation uh, coming both out of government as well as out of private foundations. Corporations are getting more involved. Um, we're seeing lots of models, as Tom was saying, around chronic care mat- management, reducing admissions, um, working with the high utiliza- util- utilizing uh, patients in assistant palliative care. So there's a lot starting to really emerge in communities um, by coalitions and in new partnerships that I don't think we would have seen a couple of years ago or we would have seen in some places around the country, but not with the frequency and, and the passion that certainly was shown at the conference and we're seeing around the country. Thank you, Laura. That's great. Sorry, I did. I did. I cut you off. I didn't mean to. That's okay. No problem. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Laura Landy uh, from the Ripple Foundation. All right, we're going to uh, turn to questions and comments uh, from you, and Jesse's going to remind you how to do that. But before I do, just very quickly, I'll make the rounds. Uh, we got a neat group here today. I don't know whether Don or Tom or Carol, uh, just anything that you've heard thus far, uh, and anything uh, you you want to react to. Uh, otherwise, we'll we'll see what's on your mind. Anybody got anything? Tom? Okay. This is Carol. The yeah. only thing I'll say is underlying what um, what Jim was saying about the boldness of the aims and, and what we saw last week at the meeting, we really did um, kind of challenge the participating sites to, to tackle and to be um, explicit in their commitments around cost. It's the hardest one to do. There's so much momentum built into the system that allows costs to rise. It's so difficult to coordinate better systems given our payment, um, current payment models. But um, we're seeing more and more um, people willing to go to the mat, not just for quality and not just for better population health, but also for cost. And I think that's really an index for us of, of you know, are we really in this game? Okay, thanks so much, Carol. Uh, Tom? Madge, I, uh, this is Tom. I would add, um, if, when we uh, think about the uh, legislation that's been passed, some of the actual changes don't kick in for several years from now. Uh, also, the focus had been on some basic principles of, of access and also uh, on insurance reform. But the actual implementation, execution, will vary tremendously, I believe, at the local level. So there's opportunities to take advantage of what's in the legislation, to improve uh, care around the triple aim in a region, but there's also opportunities to mess things up if, if people, uh, you know, don't get together and redesign systems. So the, the, the opportunity afforded and also the challenges afforded by that legislation makes this regional work uh, very, very important, I think. Okay. Thanks so much, Tom Nolan. All right. We've got a question slowly coming in. Um, Tom, maybe I'll keep you here for just two seconds. Jesse, can you go back to the slide that, uh, here we go, how will we do that intentionality? And we have a question uh, from Leon is wondering if you could just quickly, can you see that slide, Tom? Yes, I can. Can you explain uh, that that legend? Uh, I realize we flashed it before and, and, and we didn't exactly refer to it. So can you just quickly explain that to people? Yeah, so the map, you can see there are states there, but in states there's also some some lines defining regions. Those are the hospital referral regions. And the legend is the spending per beneficiary, Medicare spending per beneficiary, Part A and Part B, Part A being the hospital spend and Part B being, being the physician spend. And you can see variation anywhere from uh, $5,000 per beneficiary up to over 10000 Okay. All right. Very and each of the numbers yeah. to the right there, you see 55, 65, and so on. Yeah. Those are the number of hospital referral regions in each one of those intervals. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Kathleen asks a question. She says, my county of 95,000 people is starting to meet to work on a collaboration for low-income uninsured folks. Should we be doing this for everyone, not just those in the low-income levels? That's sort of an interesting question. Uh, who, who might want to jump in on that? Is that a, a, another topic? 
Tom question. And I'm also seeing that we may need to get John Hogan back on the line. Uh, I've got a little X by his name. I don't know if we lost him. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll work on that. Tom, you want John's to take here. a stab at that? Yeah. Oh, John's there. Well, not sure. Okay, yeah. Tom, go ahead yeah. about this. So that's an yeah, interesting... Carol, yeah. Carol can uh, add to, to this. Um, certainly the context that, that we are we think is, is the, the, the right big system concept is the triple aim in an HRR or something like that at a local level. Now, as I mentioned earlier, getting started and building some social capital, building some trust, infrastructure, making these connections, you're not going to take that on right at, at first. Many of the, uh, or at least several, of the AAA participants now, we have a collaborative going, have picked low-income populations to start with. And there's been a variety of reasons for it. They're, they're in need of, a, of, of services that aren't being provided now. And uh, the, you know, the money flow issues are a little less than, than they were in other populations. So that's a, that's a great start. Okay. But just uh, keep it within that bigger context. All right. Thank you very, very much. All right. Um, Go ahead, Laura. Go ahead. Uh Laura, just to add to that, I think the other thing that we're seeing as well is that this is a, this is a, it's, it's an easy place for people. It's an easy first place for people to, um, to connect. That, um, this is a place where there's a lot of need. There's a lot of opportunity for sharing and that it's, you know, it's a good entree into conversations that may expand from this population, other populations as you move forward. So, you know, looking sort of at Tom's um, advice of, you know, we, you know, work together where the opportunities are easier and where you have control, I think that this also, it, it, it gives a comfortable place um, and a real challenge, a needed challenge for people to get into these conversations okay. across boundaries. All right. I see Don, and then we'll come to Carol. Go ahead, Don. I, just, I agree with what uh, what uh, Laura and Tom said. Uh, we also have examples, though, of some communities, Grand Junction comes to mind immediately, who have chosen to deal with the entire population in response to uh, mm-hmm. to Kath- Kathleen's question. Uh, uh, getting everybody on the screen at once appears to have some leverage as well. So I think, again, this is a matter of local customization. Carol, you know you know that community a lot better than I do. Though. Yeah, I think, I think what's, um, what's really helpful in what Catherine is pointing to is that you you will want to start where you have will um, and and it appears that in your county this is a place where there's will to do some things that are that are innovative and do some things that are different I think what what our experience in the triple aim tells us is to be making sure that you're learning from your initial focus on a smaller segment of the population learning on behalf of everybody because there's a good chance that the care coordination issues that you're dealing with with your um, uninsured or, or lower income um, folks are going to be not dissimilar from some of the coordination issues you're dealing with folks that do have insurance or folks that are in Medicare. Um, same thing in terms of tapping into community resources to help people be well, to help people uh, manage their chronic illnesses effectively, to help people uh, stay in their homes when they want to be in their homes rather than in, in a hospital or a long-term care facility. So I would, I would say just keep exporting those lessons to the whole population. Okay, thanks. Another interesting question here, which I think comes up all the time. Uh, when I was at the meeting last week, I was fortunate to be there. You know, there was a, some discussion about uh, shared sacrifice, uh, kind of whether we, uh, you know, swing or, swim or sink together. How are we going to manage this? Paul is asking, how do you address the challenge of getting competitors often engaged in brutal competition to work together effectively? I'm sure that varies by community. Uh, I know we're having a little bit of noisiness with John Hogan's line, but I'm glad you're there still. John, maybe you could speak to that, and maybe uh, Tom might have some thoughts as well. John? Are you there, John, sort of talking about competition? Yeah, I think... uh you know, we have a very competitive community in Tallahassee, but I don't think that necessarily precludes the opportunities for uh, folks to get together and, and find ways to improve uh, overall health and performance in the community. And, and the earlier question, I think, provides a good example for that uh, in dealing with uninsured and, and lower-income patient populations. Um, one thing I would caution in that is that I, do, I really do think the biggest opportunities there are more in the delivery system arena. Sometimes we again, think first in terms of uh, insurance coverage and finding ways to create insurance mechanisms for patient populations who, even with those mechanisms, may lack uh, the ability to actually receive services in primary care or in other areas. 
and uh, a very robust uh, way that I think a community can come together that we're attempting to get started in Tallahassee is over uh, what we're calling a transitions of care clinic for uninsured and low-income people who've recently been hospitalized and have no medical home, have no place to go to for follow-up care, uh, and to create an environment for uh, the first uh, 60 days or so after their discharge where they do have a place to go to to make sure that they're not uh, regressing and needing rescue care either through the emergency room or a readmission while we also work to find them a medical home. And, and those kinds of things, I think, can be uh, equally, if not more valuable with a delivery system focus uh, than some of the focus uh, sometimes that you make in a community to just uh, provide coverage. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thanks a lot, John Hogan. Tom, anything to add about that in terms of competition? Well, I think this is a very important open question, especially in some big metropolitan areas where there's competing uh, health systems. I, I think uh, two things. The, the values of the community will dictate how competitive and how cooperate, cooperate, cooperative people will be. I think getting these different systems together and, and beginning to agree on what what we would cooperate on and what will we compete on is, a, is an important step to build some trust. Uh, I think uh, finding things where you're willing to cooperate, health, uh, health issues like I mentioned in Cincinnati, for example, is another way to start building some trust. Mm -hmm. What about the medical home? We didn't mention that. Of course, that in many ways is, is sort of in there in the texture of all kinds of things that we're trying to talk about in terms of better integration, coordination. Carol, does the medical home fit into to this work? This is a question from Judy Campbell. Yes, I would say um, it, it definitely fits in very closely. And when we look at the experience of the sites that are working with us on the AAA prototyping initiative, which has been going for a couple of years now, um, Many, if not most of them, are actively involved um, in medical home initiatives, some of them extremely ambitious. Um, though I think that we might even broaden the framing a little bit from, um, and there are many definitions of medical home in circulation. Um, so, so we might have to kind of have a discussion about um, sort of getting, getting aligned as to our definition. But I think that we see huge opportunities around sort of fundamental redesign of primary care. Um, we're seeing some really interesting work going on where uh, the more traditional notions of primary care and behavioral health are coming together, or there's a tighter linkage between primary care services and services in the community to support people's um, ongoing health needs. So, so I would say that primary care is really um, a bedrock um, necessary component of, of any of these systems going forward and that I would I would suggest that we've barely scratched the surface in terms of really fundamental redesign and really creative redesign uh, of primary care. Medical homes certainly being one major contributor to progress in that area. Okay, thanks a lot Carol Beasley. Again, it's WIHI. We hope you're getting something out of this hour. I know I'm learning a lot. Thank you all for your questions and participation. We're talking about low-cost, high-quality care. Thinking about it more regionally Moses uh, Carpio, uh, Carpio, I hope I'm pronouncing that well, uh, right, I mean. Uh, Don, maybe I'll throw this one to you. He says, looking at the map, it seems that the U.S. as a population is very heterogeneous. Therefore, a universal model might not necessarily be good for other areas. Would the panel elaborate? I could start. I'm sure yeah. uh, John and Carol and Laura and, and, and Tom will want to weigh in. Uh, that's the idea. Uh, I think uh, Moses has exactly right. Uh, we can set broad con contexts in place around uh, the payment regulatory scheme, the science base we're using, um, common search patterns for best practices. But I I'm absolutely convinced that many, many of the solutions we need are, are best d devised locally uh, with ground rules, with, with monitoring, with, you know, not, nobody off the reservation in terms of staying focused on the needs of patients. But that the idea is that communities activated, committed to the triple aim, can find locally successful solutions that will vary from place to place. And if we try to overstandardize that design, uh, we may end up uh, suboptimizing it. So I, I think I, I agree with Moises. Now, and I think the, uh, the team, uh, uh, Carol and Laura and John and Tom, have examples in mind probably of specific places that have made very good local adaptations. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, this is Laura Mann. Uh -huh. I think one one of the one of the concepts that I think really resonated, and Don, maybe you want to talk about this more, um, was really the idea of, of the need for a portfolio approach. 
and that, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of learning that we can do from each other very clearly and a lot of good models and good examples um, that, that the solutions are going to come from a variety of approaches customized to work in the local communities and that there's no one single bullet, there's no one approach that's going to work, there's really no national solution. And I think that goes back to Tom's um, original comments about why we're looking at regions in the first place and, and Don's comments. So, um, you know, sort of the concept of this package of approaches that are locally customized and locally designed and locally owned, but learning from each other in the process of designing those is uh, an important balance between the two. Okay, thanks, Laura. You know, Betty Van Wert is wondering, are there examples of communities where healthcare consumer involvement is utilized? Uh, I don't know if that was in evidence at all with any of the sites that came together uh, last uh, week or last summer. Carol? We must start with John. Okay, John, talk about you. have a site on the phone. John, you want to talk about consumer involvement? Well, yes, I think it's really important, and we're uh, certainly engaged uh, uh, as a health plan with uh, a lot of member feedback that helps guide uh, our performance and is reflected uh, in participation on our board of directors. I think in terms of specific collaborative triple AAA work, uh, that's where uh, we need to ultimately get, and in, in, in concept, almost a, a Tallahassee health partners, if you will, uh, but right now, uh, we're just getting going with Triple AAA activity in Tallahassee in a formal way, uh, starting earlier this year. And initially, we're starting with major uh, institutions, uh, major health plan, a major hospital, and uh, a new and very innovative uh, College of Medicine training program. And we hope through those initial linkages to broaden to uh, other elements of healthcare delivery, the business community, and certainly the uh, the consumer uh, community and the public at large. It's really critical, I think, uh, if we're going to have sustainable health care, that public understanding of all the issues involved is uh, front and center extremely important, and I don't think we get that. That's the age consumers down the road. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot. Um, a lot of the folks who registered for uh, today's program, uh, many work in hospitals, and uh, a, a big uh, cost center and an intense uh, area of utilization in our country. And um, I'm, I'm curious if we have some thoughts uh, about where some of the folks who are leading different sorts of improvement efforts in the hospital uh, where, where, where would you turn after a, a discussion today if you wanted to sort of get something going, if you uh, wanted to call a meeting and I want to talk about the triple aim or et cetera? And anybody, any of you have, have thoughts on that? Um, I'm, I'm staring at Carol, so it's easy for me to put her on the spot here. <laughs> well, we do. We are starting to see some examples. Um, one of the partners that we worked with closely from the Flint, Michigan area um, is a hospital system that was actually a combination of, of Three, I think three prior hospitals and part of the merger was to actually take hospital capacity out of the system because they could see that they had more than enough um, to serve the needs of the population and the bet that they're making and, and some, some of our other sites are doing the same is that they can hold their hospital capacity constant and yet serve a larger population by getting more upstream, by providing better coordinated care, by providing more around prevention and uh, and, and we're, we, so we are starting to see some of that activity. It's a little bit countercultural, I think. We're just used to the notion that hospitals are kind of big anchor um, institutions and communities. They're important to communities. They employ people. They have a high profile. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an area that's a little bit new, but we are starting to see some folks saying we don't need to grow our hospital capacity beyond what we have. We can, we can serve a greater uh, population with what we already have if we're smart about it. Okay, thanks a lot, Carol Beasley. We've got two questions, and they're sort of related. Um, one person is wondering how to contact groups who are using the triple aim and how to learn from them, by example, from those communities. And somebody else is also asking, uh, Carol, as well as, um, and maybe Tom, uh, how, what are the results uh, that are starting to sort of bubble up uh, from this work in these communities? We do have some case studies on yeah. our website, uh, but maybe I'll, uh, Carol, again, and then I'll turn to Tom. Yeah, I think we're starting to see some, um, some of the sites that are 
being able to document improvements in all three dimensions of the triple aim, that is um, population health, experience of care, and per capita cost, at least for a defined population, not necessarily a regional, uh, not necessarily an entire region. Um, there are some case studies on IHI's website. Um, if you go to our program area and look in the strategic initiatives tab, you'll find a segment on the triple aim. Um, there also are some case studies that are um, up on the Commonwealth Fund um, website about some of the AAAM sites. Some of them are in process and, and I will be up very soon. So there are some sources of information, and then if you had particular questions about that, uh, I'd be happy to respond to those, and maybe um, one of the colleagues here can throw my email in there in yeah. case you wanted to have a little bit more specific information about right. it. Right. Anyone's welcome to email, actually, WAHI at, through info at uh, IHI.org, and what we'll do is we'll triage those, and we'll be happy to provide some additional information, and we've got some links, and Vicki Mindem also puts together resources. Tom, any, any thoughts on that, on results thus far, or progress evidence? Yeah, the, certainly we've, we've tried to focus on results as we've been involved in this in, in the last three years or so. Uh, what's happening now, I think, is that the results are getting at a higher level in the system, perhaps not through the whole region yet, but for for larger and larger populations. We just had a, a call uh, the, the other day for all participants, and we had some, some terrific presentations. One was from Cincinnati Children's that's working on a infant, infant mortality for all children in that region. And as many of you know, that's a very difficult problem to get after, and you have a lot of different players in there. They, this, in 2009, they had the fewest infant deaths in 20 years. And it's been very, very stable for 18 or 19 years. So just pulling the, the people together and uh, working as a system for, you know, produce those results. We had uh, Priority Health from Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is also part of the Alliance for Community Health Plans, talking about an effort on uh, reducing disparities in care for, uh, for children uh, living in poverty that actually the health plan invested money and uh, in reducing some of the disparities, but actually got it back in, in less uh, less acute care. So the whole community actually was involved in that one. And, and they also mentioned uh, uh, work on overuse of uh, back surgery, 20% reduction in, in back, back surgery uh, overuse, as has uh, health partners has also been looking, health partners from Minneapolis has also been looking at overuse. So. Some, some nice results getting higher at higher levels in bigger populations are, are emerging. And as Carol said, you can see some of them on the Internet, and we'll, we'll be posting more as they become available. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Don? Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, an exciting trend underway that I think participants should be aware of, which is uh, lined up with IHI's Triple AIM project, the one that Tom and Carol were just talking about. We have 70 or more sites involved with that, but we're not alone. There are other... Uh, collaborative endeavors around essentially the same idea now under independent auspices, but all headed in the same direction. We're going to learn a ton. There's the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's Aligning Forces for Quality Work in 20 Communities. There's the Beacon Communities, just funded by the Office of the National Coordinator in HHS. There's the various ACO, Accountable Care Organization Collaboratives, that are taking form uh, with the help of Brookings and Dartmouth and also Premier Incorporated. Uh, the Ripple Foundation has an amazing project just about to hit the it hit the public eye uh, on organizing for quality. We're going to be learning about communities through their great work and their Rethink Health project. There's the IPIP work being supported uh, in private primary care by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and others. I think we have a, a, an enormous reservoir emerging of cases, and many of these will have results, and we should be really alert for watching communities are successful in any of these veins. Okay, sounds good. I, uh, eventually, all these entities will, will, will find one another. It's going to be so. fun to, to see the overlap. Well, we're cruising up to the, the top of the hour, and uh, maybe I'll just sort of let everybody get a kind of final shot in here. And uh, Tom, why don't I start with you and make uh, Tom and then John and Laura, and then we'll wind up back in the studio. Tom? Okay. Yes, a point I made at the meeting last week is uh, we're in a different space here in terms of improvement methods, I would say, that uh, we're we're trying to establish new performance at a level that uh, hasn't been accomplished before. So the 
the ability to test on a small scale, test quickly, abandon things that aren't working, and uh, and scale up those that are is, is a very important uh, capability, and, and we're trying to develop that uh, a bit and get that out on the Internet. Okay. John Hogan, thanks, uh, thanks, Tom. And John Hogan, thanks also for sharing a bit about Tallahassee. Any parting words here? Well, I just I think this is uh, absolutely not only exciting but extremely important uh, uh, work that uh, I hope other localities will engage in because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, really having a sustainable uh, health care uh, for uh, truly for our children and grandchildren, it really requires, uh, I think, at the local level where care is delivered, a focus on uh, maximizing the ability to be accountable, accountable for outcomes of care, satisfaction with care, the overall health of populations, but also, and most particularly now, uh, affordability trends. It's just something that I think collectively we've got to find ways to work on together uh, within the framework that, and the uniqueness of each community. So. All right. We're excited about the potential. All right. We're thrilled that you were uh, here to kind of give us uh, that sense of, of hope there. Uh, Lori Landy, quickly, uh, any, any parting thoughts? Uh, Matt, Jeff, first, thank you for putting this together. It's been fabulous. I, I think that the, the parting thought that I'd like to leave people with is, is really the importance of relationships in all of this and that how um, we're seeing over and over again the building new relationships, building relationships across the community as well as across organizations are really going to be what's required to make all these changes everybody's talking about happening and that this is you know, true at every level of the organization as well as in how we interact with our communities. So, um, you know, we share responsibility and we share opportunities and um, um, there's great work ahead for us all. Thank you so much, Laura, for being part of this. Carol? Yeah, I guess why, what I might say is, is to refer back to a framework that IHI often uses when we think about making large-scale improvement, and that is, you know, is there sufficient will? Do we have really powerful ideas for change? And how good are we at executing those ideas? And um, I would say that, that um, we're seeing more and more will. You know, I think the, I think the event last week was indicative uh, of a growing sense of will in, in regions throughout the country, along with other projects that Don mentioned. The ideas are starting to come together, and one formulation of those ideas can be found um, on our website in the Triple AIM area. There is a concept design there that talks about five things, individuals and families, primary care, system integration, prevention and health promotion, and cost reduction strategies. Those are testable ideas. This is not a mature body of work, so we can't be prescriptive yet, but we do have some ideas that people are testing um, productively. And then finally, I think the challenge of execution and really using good improvement methods and really having a robust learning uh, structure uh, within which um, these lessons can be incorporated and built upon uh, is the third part of the challenge. So it's uh, the pieces. I think we know what the pieces are. Now it's a matter of getting to work. Okay, thank you so much, Carol. Don? Uh, I agree with you, Bob. The, uh, yeah. the, we're, we're, it's a learning process. We're, it's early days. I uh, hope we'll be back to this topic in WIHI and elsewhere because we're going to learn a ton about this kind of work. To me, the key is what Laura said. It's, uh, it's learning to play on the same side of the net, not against each other, but against the social problem. And uh, the kind of collaboration we're seeing emerge in these communities is really exciting, badly needed. Well, thanks so much uh, to all of you, and thanks, uh, Don. Thanks to all our guests and all our participants. Uh, I think you were all engaged. Uh, it's sort of some hefty and interesting stuff to dig into, and we do hope you will. You can check out our website. You're going to find an audio download of this program by tomorrow morning, as well as uh, the instructions for how to get it from iTunes if you'd like. All our programs are archived on the WIHI web pages, and you can find a very nice uh, document Vicki Minden puts together, which has a lot of links and resources related to our discussion today. Just a reminder, when you log off uh, the WebEx today, don't forget to choose uh, downloading the chat if you'd like in any of the slides that we shared. And again, any questions whatsoever, email us at info at IHI.org. Feel free to suggest future show topics, and we always do welcome your ideas for improvement. And also, when you log off, you have the opportunity to fill out a survey, which we also appreciate. On the next WIHI, that's on June 7th, 17th, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to delve into the skyrocketing use of CAT scans and other radiation.
radiation imaging and look at some new work and thinking to bring reliance on these powerful exams into greater balance with safety and diagnostic benefit. Talking with two very, very interesting people I've been planning this program with, and you're really uh, sure to get a lot out of it, information about the program and the speakers and how to enroll uh, up there on a quick slide right now and also on IHI.org. The people who make WIHI possible are Jonathan Small, Mike Sweeney, Jesse McCall, Alan Olison, Brittany McPhee, Jane Rossner, Matt Morris, Vicki Minden, and others. You heard some nice uh, music by Herbie Hancock at the beginning of the program <laughs> and an original arrangement by Aaron Flanders and Miguel Sapasoa gets us in and out of the program every time we have WIHI. So thank you all. It's my privilege to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving patient care most of all for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I'm Madge Kaplan. Good day, everyone. Mm-hmm.